Welcome to the Daily Real Estate Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Josiah Smelser. The Daily Real Estate Investor Podcast is the shared journey of building a real estate investment property business from square one. Join me as we learn together how to conquer the real estate game to reach financial freedom. Together, we will learn from people in all areas of real estate and business in our personal trek towards escaping the rat race. Be you. Do the work you love. Play the long game. Hey, everybody, this is Josiah with another episode of the Daily Real Estate Investor Podcast. Man, I'm so excited that you're back with us for another episode. We got a good one for you today with none other than Timothy Kelly. Timothy's got a really cool story. Um, Timothy runs a company called Active Duty Passive Income, and his business is basically helping military um, create passive income for themselves. Timothy's a military guy, and he's been absolutely crushing it in real estate through apartment investing. Timothy started off house hacking um, by living in one unit while renting the other units out and then building his portfolio that way and then quickly moved over into multifamily. You're going to hear his story, which is a really cool story and, and his advice on how you can do the same thing as he has. And Timothy's only been doing this for a few years. So that's uh, that's another really cool part of this. Timothy's big on taking action and not making excuses. Um, real estate, successful real estate investors take action. They don't sit around making excuses for why they can't do something. They figure out a way to go out there and make traction and make progress and to get going. It's okay if you experience uh, some failures along the way, right? I mean, it's just about getting going and giving it your best shot. Timothy has embraced the chaos and is making massive progress, which I absolutely love. Timothy's also an author and runs a podcast, and he's going to share about that here on our episode. So without further ado, I want you to sit back, relax, and have a rotten time. Timothy, I'm uh, super excited to have you on the show today, man. Thanks for uh, sharing your time with us. Absolutely, man. It's my honor and, and, and privilege to, to be here. Let's have, a, let's have another awesome conversation. Yeah, for sure. So really cool. Uh, Timothy and I connected over Instagram and um, Timothy's got a lot of great experience in real estate investing. Um, and about two years time, you're at about 600 units. Is that correct, Timothy? Yeah, absolutely. And there should be a little bit more once we close everything out, what we're, uh, what we currently have under contract. So that's, that's awesome, man. So, you know, has Timothy's been scaling like mad, has used some syndication, has started uh, an, an investor pool to, to kind of do this. And um, you mentioned doing, having a 203K loan that you, you did, um, starting to acquire smaller multifamily, acquire larger multifamily, acquire mobile home parks. And then you've also got a book on Amazon, you run your own podcast, and then, you know, you like myself are a big fan of bigger pockets and make connecting with people through there. So there's just so much, so many cool things to talk about. So let's, um, let's kind of start with kind of how you got, you got onto this real estate train and, um, and how you got your first deal done. Absolutely, man. Um, and like you said, there's so many things that we could dive into and I'd be happy to, to dive into any of that stuff and let's add the most value that we possibly can, uh, to your listeners. So, you know, first and foremost, I'm full-time active duty in the, in the Navy. I'm a senior enlisted leader. I'm a chief petty officer in the Navy stationed in Pensacola, Florida. And uh, for any, if there's anybody military out there, you know, a lot of people think that it's, it might be holding you back 
Um, and, and but I'm hoping if they kind of are are eye to eye with me, they realize how great the military is to train people to be outstanding in business. And they, a lot of the qualities that we learn in the in the military transition very well and into business. So um, I, I really credit a lot of the military and mindset and work ethic and leadership and all that cool stuff um, to my success in, in business and in real estate. So I was on one of my deployments um, and I had to have, you know, gather a bunch of reading material. And I, so I've always been interested in personal finance and financial management and just building wealth. And so I just consumed a bunch of content. And the more I did, the more I realized how kind of real estate was really an asset and type and vehicle accessible to uh, to anybody that, that, you know, makes more millionaires and billionaires than any other asset type that, that's out there. So I'm like, all right, well, you know, why don't I try to dig into this a little bit more? I, I can probably figure this out. Let me, let me see what's, what it's all about. So, you know, kind of went head first and, um, you know, found Rich Dad, Poor Dad, found Bigger Pockets and that whole community. Um, and, you know, it was, a, it was an honor to be on their podcast. I was on their uh, podcast last year. It was episode 282, one of my partners uh, and I. Um, it was a, gr- a great conversation that we had with, with Brandon and David Green. Cool. Um, so the more we kind of, I dug in and, uh, then I quickly just established, uh, like I was the fire hose of information that kind of, um, it, it prevented me from really taking action until I honed in on one specific niche. And that's the biggest piece of advice I can give, um, is to like, once you're consuming all this information, just to choose a niche or choose an asset type and go very vertical, you know, go horizontal across all the different asset types to pick one and go very vertical. And for me, that was multifamily. Um, I, it just, it just seemed to kind of meet all my goals and reasons. It, it, it seemed to me that at that point with, with the little knowledge that I had at multifamily would have helped me achieve my goals quicker than anything else. So kind of dove right in, um, you know, educate myself for about a year. And then, you know, I got orders down here to Pensacola and just before I came down to Pensacola, um, we, uh, you know, I knew I wanted to be do multifamily. So I, and I knew we wanted somewhere to live. So we ended up using a four, uh, we, we purchased a fourplex using a 203 K FHA loan. And, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, it is a rehab loan for, it's an owner occupied type rehab loan where you could wrap the cost of rehab expenses into your loan between one to four units. So I got as many doors as I possibly could. Um, I got four units and, and with the intentions of living in one and running out the other three for, to, you know, live for free and cash flow. Um, so successfully did that. It's an amazing asset right now. Um, that was about two years ago. You know, at that point, six months later, I, I syndicated a 42 unit apartment complex with some friends. Um, we kind of partnered together. We just went all in and we found a great deal. Um, and did that, syndicated that. And since that point, you know, I've been focusing heavily on multifamily deals in the affordable housing space, you know, focusing primarily on apartment communities and mobile home communities. And not only providing the housing in the affordable housing sector, which is a, is a huge, huge demand for one a low supply, uh, but we're providing investors extremely, extremely desirable double digit returns to on the capital. Very cool. Very cool. First off, I want to say thank you for your service. We really appreciate, you know, all you, all you active and, and past military do for our country. So thank you so much. You're welcome, man. I really love, love hearing that, you know, 
can't thank you enough for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's talk about the 203k loan first. Um, how much did you put down on that? Those, those loans are great because they, they require very little down. What, how much were, were you required to put down on that loan? Yeah. So 3.5% down is the uh, traditional amount that you need to put down. Mm-hmm. Quick numbers. 150K was the purchase price for four units in a really nice neighborhood in Pensacola. Nice. And uh, so I, but I wrapped $100,000 worth of rehab in that thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it was about a $250,000 loan amount. Mm-hmm. And I had to put down 3.5% of that total loan amount, which has ended up being with closing costs and all about 16 grand yeah. um, that, I had to, that I had to come to the table with. And to get four units fully gutted in rehab for for that three point five percent down sixteen grand at the time, to, in order to basically have an almost an infinite return to just cash flow um, forever, yeah. um, you know, it, it was it's it, it's a program that I felt like I could not pass up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so that's so, why I did that, man. It was awesome. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so you so you were all in for about two fifty on the deal, purchase price plus a repair cost. You put your sixteen grand down, and then what were the units rented out for? Now you were living in one, so this is a a house hack using this two or three k loan. You're living in one. What were the other three renting renting out at? So uh, this is actually a unique situation because you know FHA requirements say that you have to live in. Well, you have to have the intentions of occupying one of the units for six months and one day. So okay. the rehab actually took seven months. So we never technically <laughs> had to move in, oh, That's funny. but I was renting, you know, I was running another place. So I was covering that mortgage. Right. And yeah. I was renting. So that's another reason why you need to have, you know, some startup capital and have sure. your financial foundation established, you know, sure. really before you dive into real estate. And that's a whole nother uh, discussion on its yeah. own. Um, so I never actually moved into it. And, and as soon as rehab was done, um, I went ahead and we, we pulled out or we, um, just put a tenant in that unit and it's been grossing right around four grand, uh, a month mm-hmm. in, in, in total rent. You know, like I said, it's in a nicer neighborhood sure. and they were rehab units. So the gross was about 4,000 a month. The gross was 4,000. What were you netting on it roughly? So I was cash flowing after all expenses, cap reserves, everything of just about two grand a month on, on four units. Two, two grand a month. And then what was your mortgage? Uh, about 18. Okay, cool. That's great. You know, man. And then after, after like pest control, I mean, PITI was 18, but after pest control, a uh, little, a small percentage to go into a residual um, savings account. Yeah. And uh, after all expenses, you know, plus there was, um, there was pet fees and extra, some extra um, monthly income that I was getting. It was, I was ca- cash flowing about two grand a month for the good amount of um, that time. That's cool. That's cool. Cool. Okay. Let's, let's, uh, let's then transition over to this 46 unit. So, you know, big jump from four to 46, like walk us through, you know, those of us who are, you know, dealing with the one to four family stuff, making the transition over to a much larger deal. How do you approach that? I was fully committed. Uh, like I said, into multifamily and I just took advantage of the 203k loan because I knew we were, we were going to, we wanted to move into a, a property and we wanted a house hack. And, um, we actually used the VA loan to house hack. Now I'm house hacking a triplex in a different um, part of town. Um, and that, that's a whole nother discussion. Um, but I knew I wanted to do multifamily. So 
that is all I really focused on when I read books, listened to audibles, listened to podcasts, went to conferences, went to, you know, I didn't let anything else really distract my focus. So I, and, and the, like all my free time was, was focused on learning and educating myself. And I, I spent a good amount of money on my education and, and some coaching and some mentoring. And then, you know, I just didn't really, um, didn't let be, I was not the person to stop me from achieving the goal of taking down like a hundred unit apartment complex. And, right. and so I learned the terminology. I learned how to, tell people exactly who I was, what we do and what we're looking for, uh, you know, and I learned uh, how to talk to brokers, how to talk to contractors, how to talk to banks. And I just went in there and multiple times failed, struggled a little bit. And I was just grinding. And, you know, I eventually people took, started taking me seriously. And then, you know, we found an off-market deal um, that's, I actually haven't been to in over a year. It's about two hours from me right now, north of, uh, it's kind of up by you. Um, it's north of Mobile and Citronelle, okay. Alabama. And um, I'm in, like I said, I'm in Pensacola, Florida. So it's about an hour and a half, two hours away. And, you know, we found a broker who was licensed in Florida and Alabama. And, um, you know, he found out about what we were looking for and we built a relationship with him and, we kind of just, you know, he sent us a bunch of deals and that one fit our criteria. And, and we were able to um, partner with some people and, and get the capital necessary to to close the deal. Cool. Um, and, and so it was mainly, mainly because of my hyper focus, because that's all I paid attention to. I didn't let anything, my limiting beliefs, uh, you know, um, prevent me from going after what I really wanted, because I knew I was going to be the only one to stop me from achieving my goal. Yeah. Um, very cool. So so a couple things. Um you mentioned house hacking. You've, you've done the house hacking thing three times. Is that right? Yeah. I'm on my okay. third house. hack. Okay. So the first one was done with the 203 K loan. Am, am I correct? Well, that, that would be, that would be the second one. I mean, the second I kind one. of, I wanted to, you know, just before that, when I was in uh, Norfolk, you know, Virginia beach area, before I came here, I used my VA loan to move into a single family home, okay. but it actually had two master suites, I got one you. on the upper level, one on the lower level. So we actually rented out the lower level master suite gotcha. uh, to some people. And we had, that was considered a house hack before I even knew what house hacking was. I was kind of just yeah. doing it anyway. Yeah. So you've written a book on using the VA loan to house hack, correct? Yeah, my partners and I that are part of active duty passive income. It's just this incredible platform. We can dive into that later, but we kind of teamed up together and we wrote a book called Military House Hacking um, just to help empower and to help spread awareness about to military folks about how their VA loan benefit could really be used to catapult their wealth. Cool. Cool. So, So how many VA loans can you have at one time? So it, it really depends on what you could A, be approved for based on your, your debt to income ratio, but B, whatever your total entitlement is based off your zip code and where you live. So for most of the country, unless you're in like, you know, California or Miami or New York, uh, or, you know, your, your, the entitlement is about 450 right now total. Gotcha. So let's say I moved into a home and paid 250 for it using my VA loan. And I was there for over a year, you know, past the 12 months in one day mark. And I had to PCS, which means I moved, you know, a permanent change of station. Sure. I moved and I kept my VA on on that one house, rented it out, right? I can get another home using the rest of my VA loan benefit, which total again is 450. And I used 250 of it. Now I can find a home for 200, use that VA loan to move into a new property that I'm going to occupy. Gotcha. 
And then I guess you could refi the first one over to a fixed 30 year Fannie Mae deal and it free up some more VA money. If you totally yeah. and yeah. exactly if I, you know, if I wanted to maybe move out, rent a place for, you know, half a year or a year, yeah. convert that into a traditional, you know, long-term 30 year amortized loan as an investment loan, you would need, you know, about 30% equity into it, in, in it, of course, in order to do that. Then cool. I would have all my whole 450 remaining to, to buy a fourplex and house hack. Of I love it. I love it. That's the way yeah, I, man. that's the way I started was, was house hacking and, I highly, highly recommend that to to investors that are just getting started. It's just such a great way, you know, to get into as many units as you can and to buy great properties. You know, like like we house hacked, we bought a duplex in, in a great area of Dallas, and the the duplex was three hundred sixty five thousand. Um, we did an FHA loan on it, so we had to put three point five percent down. The other side was already rented out when we moved into it. We did a couple little improvements while we lived there you know, and got it, you know, and refinanced it and were, was able to basically pull out not only the money we invested initially, but extra money uh, on top of the repairs and then ended up selling the thing and making a really good profit on it. Like I said, before we even started recording, I wish I had kept a lot of these that I did this on, but, um, I love the house hacking strategy. That's great. Okay. So let's talk about on the totally, floor. Yeah, totally, man. That's just one of the many beauties of real estate. Oh, yeah. I mean, not only are there awesome investment loans where you wrap the cost of rehab into investment loans, but owner occupied loans, whether it, maybe you don't want to occupy tenants and manage tenants or figure that whole thing out. You could do this in a single family home and gut an, a home and add a bunch of value to a single family home that you want using an FHA 203k loan. Yeah. And um, and then you're building equity and it's a lot more of an investment than if you know you buy pay home, pay retail for a home and and because it's it's not really an investment when you live in it and pay retail for right. it. Right. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So on the 46 unit, um, would you be willing to share share that you know any details on how you you said you raised some money on that and kind of did the deal with some others? How many how many investors went in on that deal and how'd you structure the money you raised and like how do you approach something like that? Yeah, man, for sure. So um, it was my partner Jay and I who I kind of actually con- uh, connected with via Bigger Pockets before I came to Pensacola. I was like. Hey, reach out on bigger pockets. I'm, I'm coming down. My focus is multifamily. Who are, who, who are doing the deals in Pensacola? So a couple people reached back out. I met with Jay immediately. And then as soon as I closed on that fourplex, I met with him and, and six months later we bought that together. So me and him were the two, um, we, we acquired the deal. We negotiated the deal. Uh, we got under contract. And then during the due diligence period, when we started kind of, we, we rolled up our sleeves and looked at everything and started trying to raise capital. Um, we brought it mainly because at that point we didn't have access to capital. We just knew this deal was good enough and we just have to show enough people that we're going to get it funded. And I think that's what holds a lot of people back. You know, they think they have to have these millions of dollars ready to deploy into this asset in order to take it down. So, you know, if you can take one thing away, you know, if you have a good enough deal, you just have to grind in the beginning to figure out who wants to take advantage of that opportunity because you're not asking for money. You're not, you know, looking for, um, you know, super high net worth individuals. You are looking at regular people. And for us, 
most of our capital came from our RIA, our real estate investment association locally in the area. And we just shared the deal with them. They knew exactly who we were because we go to the meetings and we promote ourselves and who we are, what we do and what we're looking for. And then, you know, we are offering an opportunity to them. We're not asking for money and we're not even raising capital. I mean, essentially that's what we are, but it's the mindset shift of offering an incredible opportunity to for to passive investors who are looking to invest in, in multifamily you know deals and i think the smartest investors on the planet who are accredited and sophisticated deemed by the sec invest in commercial real estate they invest in in housing and, and multifamily deals which is who we work with now but um, I think that's a, a paradigm shift that a lot of people w- it might help some people where you don't, A, need all the money to s- at once before you take down a large deal. And B, you're not asking for money. You're offering an opportunity and it's you're looking for people who understand this opportunity. So sometimes you have to educate them on the opportunity, of course. But um, that, that's kind of what, you know, when then we found a couple of partners that that had access to a bunch of capital. And then um, most of that capital came from our local RIA right here in Pensacola. That's great, man. I, I absolutely love the hustle and the initiative of, of getting the thing under contract and then going out and raising the money. So how do you, how do you structure this contract on this 46 unit deal when you don't have the money necessarily to close it, but your, your, your plan is to go out and raise the money. How did you structure that to say, okay, well, you know, what, what happened? I know you had to, you had to have thought about this. What happens if you can't raise the money for whatever reason? Like what, what were you going to lose by walking away from that contract? So this is the best part about how, how it works in the game is that you, in order to get it under contract, you simply can, you write up and draft an LOI letter of intent to purchase. And that could be either done by your broker. If you're working with a broker or if you're going direct to seller, you could find an LOI anywhere on really many bigger pockets or you could Google, Google it to make sure that it's, it's legal. Uh, from, I would have an attorney research it if, if you find it on Google, of course, but you just submit an LOI letter of intent. And that is your intent to purchase this contract contingent upon due diligence. And so really you're submitting that LOI um, at this price, these terms, this is the, how long the due diligence process is. This is how long maybe as a buffer, if we need more time for funding. Um, And then, you know, whether they agree or not, that's the negotiation process. And then once they agree and we, we agree to a final price point, then the contract is ratified the purchase and, and um, sale agreement, the PSA is ratified to act, make it official. And once that contract is official, at least in the state of Florida, Alabama, you know, and it really depends on how you write the contract, the earnest money deposit is really what you're risking. But the cool thing is that earnest money deposit is 100% refundable unless sometimes unless you need to extend your due diligence period longer than initially agreed upon. So um, that's, but if, if let's say if you find this catastrophic disaster, like, look, this is just isn't going to work out. I'm trying, like we're actually need to renegotiate a deal we have under contract right now. We have 100, uh, 129 units under contract. We're going to need to renegotiate because of what we have discovered under due diligence that was not disclosed to us prior to the LOI and prior to the contract being ratified. That's a cool thing. You just back out. You say, sorry, either we're going to renegotiate this for this price due to this reason and this reason, this reason. And if they don't agree, 
you get your earnest money back. So really just your time and what you've learned, which is a bonus and everything that you went through is an opportunity to learn and get yourself and, and mindset to the next level. So you really don't lose anything. You only gain something from that time. Yeah, that's great. All right. So, um, so, so what did you buy the 46 unit for? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah, man, it's it, it, here in, in Citronelle, Alabama, we got those things for about 16,000 per door. So oh, it wow. was about a $700,000 purchase price for, it was, you know, I don't want to correct you, but it was 42 units just to be exact. Oh, 42 units. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem. And and so what we ended up doing, we actually also just like a 203k FHA loan, we wrapped the cost of rehab into the loan and 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 we put $200,000 was our rehab budget. So it was a $900,000 loan. Okay. And your lender required how much down on this? Like 20% or 25 or Yeah, we had to put 25% down. Okay. Um so basically we had to raise that three about three. Well, at, with re, we basically had to raise 25% of the loan amount but 50% of the rehab amount, ah, um, okay. you know, so we had to raise about 350 K total. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. So, um, so how, so with your equity investors in this deal, did you give them ownership? Did you just give them a preferred return? How did you structure that part? Yeah, hundred percent. So, um, we, as the general partners, the ones who put it together, which happens to be four of us, it's Jay and I, and then we found two other partners who had already done some deals and who had access some capital all there. So there's four general partners. We have 40% ownership in the property and our investors all pulled together, all the people between 25 K to hundred K and everything in between all that 350 K, whoever invested in that, they get 60% ownership. And, um, there was no pref, which is a preferred return. Usually like right now or on our next deal, we're going to offer like an eight or 9% pref. Um, but for this particular deal, there was no prep, but it, there was an IRR projected to be about 20%. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So you and your partners took 40%. The investors got 60%. Um, you guys were the general partners. They were the limited partners. I'm, I'm guessing that um, the decisions, you guys, you guys were running point on the strategy on the whole thing. Did you have to when something like this is structured, do you have to get them to sign off on what your strategy is on this whole deal? How does that work? Um, like on just the for, for like, the, like the rehab. Yeah. Yeah. So you take a, a project like this to the investors, you're going to raise money, you know, they're going to own 60% of the project. Like how does, how does the, the decision-making process on just what's being done to the property, how does that filter down and do they have any say so on that? Yeah. So, um, that's a really good question. I mean, the cool thing is that, you know, before closing, they, they know exactly what they're getting into. Um, and you know, I don't want to go too deep into whole syndication unless you want to explore that. I can go really as deep as you want. Um, but because it was all friends and family, we did not have to hire a syndication attorney in order to draft up a PPM, a private placement memorandum. Sometimes when you're working with friends and family, it's a 506B. So we don't need it, a PPM, which all that really does is turn it into a security. A 506C is needed when you work specifically with accredited investors that are accredited depending, you know, based on their liquidity and net worth as as defined by the Securities Exchange Commission. That's when it gets, you know, you, you have to pay more, you have to get the 
You have to get the attorney to help you, the SEC attorney. But then it's like a public offering. You can literally just go promote it to anybody. Be like, hey, we have this sure. We have this deal. We could just post it on Facebook if we wanted to. Yeah. Um, but because it wasn't, it was all friends and family. They knew us. And this goes for especially starting up. Uh, and, and your own personal branding is huge, you know, when it comes to raising capital, especially getting started, people are investing in you more than they're investing in the deal. So, you know, the way that this one worked, they didn't have any actual voting rights. And a lot of times, um, the most investors don't, if it's a 506 B or C, um, so, you know, the way that this works, it's just that all the decisions are made. We keep them updated on a monthly basis. We all, especially because this is a heavy rehab. It was, there was a lot of value add on this. That's why we were able to offer them such a high return projected. Um, but they, they don't have any voting rights, but we, they get, they get updates on a, on a monthly basis and quarterly distributions every, uh, quarter, yeah, every quarter they get, they get a distribution. Very cool. Um, okay, so this was uh, walk us through your numbers again on your purchase price, your repair cost, and then uh, did you get it reappraised after you were finished? And what kind of equity you built in? So we are still in the rehab process. Um, we're actually looking to reposition it. There's a good chance we're actually going to sell it because of how the market's looking right now. Sure, um, it's, it's looking very uh, very quality um, for us to to sell. So. Uh, but come probably in the next, if I had to be conservative in the next three months, um, we should be at the point where if we're going to list it, we're going to list it. Uh, but we might decide to refi and just put long-term low interest debt, especially if the interest rates go down or whatever, we'll probably, we might just hold on to it, cash flow, cash out all the investors, then we'll have full ownership of it. Gotcha. Okay. So remind me, what did you buy it for? 700k purchase price. Okay. 200k rehab cost. Okay. Yeah. So in it for 900 and what do you think it's worth after the rehab's finished? Ooh, I mean over 2 million. Oh wow. That's yeah. great. All in yeah, for 900 man. and and have a 2 million dollar asset. That's amazing. Yeah, once once all it's all like it's a done deal, once it's, you know, stabilized or there's a liquidity event, you know, it's above 85% occupied. Yeah. Um, everything's, you know, been built back. There was a new parking lot. There's a new, there's a new paid, uh, uh, parking lot, new, new laundry, new playground. And there's a dog park that we're putting in. I mean, it's cool and it's, it's nice. And once everything's stabilized, which will probably be in the next 90 days, finally, um, then it'll, it'll be worth very, very close to, if not over 2 million. What was the occupancy level when you, uh, purchased the project? It was under 50% occupied okay. when we scooped it up. Yeah, it was. Wow underperforming to say the least. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So, um, we've talked about the house hacks. We've talked about the 42 unit. Um, I think you mentioned having 600 units that are under contract or currently owned. Um, I guess give us the high level on some of the other projects you've been involved in. Yeah. So like I said, I mean, I guess we'll just talk about the one right now. It's, you know, 129 unit apartment community, um, that me and the active duty passive income team, we, we have under contract and, uh, it's in central Indiana. Um, that was, uh, an off market deal sent to us from a broker relationship that we had in our network. And, you know, it's that right there is either going to be a home run or we're going to be backing out. Um, you know, we got her under contract at a pretty great price. 
Um, but you know, we started due diligence last week and after one week of due diligence, we're like, all right, there's a lot more in involved in our rehab than was disclosed to us. Oh, shocker, um, shocker, right? That never happens. Exactly. <laughs> That's what happened with and when so, we were under contract on, it was like three times the work they said, and the occupancy was a lot lower than they said. And it was crazy, but anyway, go ahead. Yeah, man. I mean, that, that's how it is. And now, especially in the market cycle now is such an important time to be super disciplined um, and, and not make any emotional decisions and keep everything based on the numbers. Um, but, you know, we're next week, we're going to be negoti- renegotiating once we acquire all of our numbers that we know we're going to have to factor in everything that is it's going to all of our expenses for rehab, you know, are going to be factored into this co- new cost. Once we have those costs broken down, we're going to renegotiate with another number and it's going to be like, you know, take it or leave it. This is not up for negotiation. It's this is what our new offer is based on what we discovered. And and there's a couple open insurance claims and all this stuff that we discovered. And and so it's either going to be a home run deal or we're going to be walking away. Um, but we already got a couple in the hopper. I mean, there's there's a, a bunch of deals that, that we get on a daily basis. So. That's great. So what are your, what are your, um, acquisition criteria on what you're looking to buy? And, um, you know, is there a a certain door amount you want in a certain, you know, type neighborhood with uh, value add, I'm assuming, or what are you looking for? Yeah. Specific deal criteria. Like I said, apartment communities, mobile home communities, anywhere over 75 units, um, up to about 200 units. Um, you know, in the Southeast and in the Midwest that are in markets with a predictable path of progress, you know, the one, the one thing you can't change is where it's situated and, you know, factoring all kinds of market indicators and we could dive into that if you want, but you know, it's got to have a predictable path of progress, the market, everything, the demographics around it have to be very desirable. Um, and there has to be plenty of meat on the bone. Um, I mean, we're not opposed to more of a turnkey if we can get it uh, a good enough deal. But at this point in the market, cap rates are, are definitely down. So the only equity creation is is that we have found and come across is from, um, you know, uh, discounted deals that require some, you know, some considerable value add. Um, so we like the mom and pop type stuff that everybody talks about, you know, BNC sure. class, sure. um, that that's where there are. There's a lot of mom and pops who just are tired, who just don't know what they're doing or have been self-managing for a long time and nobody's reached out to them. And we like to go direct to owners. I mean, we're working with some brokers, but we prefer direct to owners. Uh, it's easier to build rapport and negotiate when you don't have an owner or a broker kind of, um, sometimes they're great. Sometimes they get in the way, full disclosure. Sure, 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 <laughs> so, sure. So, yeah. so let's talk about, uh, there's, there's a couple things you talked about getting in the, in the predictable path of progress. And then you talked about going directly to the owners. Let's talk about both of those. So, yeah. so what you said, we could kind of dive into the predictable path of progress, um, that you're looking for. We look for the same thing on, on our acquisitions. Tell me kind of what criteria you're looking for there. Um, when, when, looking for your next deal. Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, we, we identify a market and we have to, um, first and foremost, do you know people and you have relationships in that market, you know, and the people you could trust people who are established people who are experts in their field, um, specifically brokers, property managers, agents, realtor, you know, and, and the like, you know, if not, you got to even be more disciplined to conduct your, your market research. And by that, I mean, you know, using, you know, the census, 
uh, census uh, reporter or city data or Sperling's best places to kind of do a, get a little bit of behind the computer screen, uh, um, you know, research. And that's what you're looking for um, are, you know, employers, what employers are, are kind of taking over that market? Is it, is it one employer, like maybe one military base or is it, you know, um, just one maybe healthcare system that's kind of dying or is it multiple employers that are thriving because those are your tenants. Um, and if that employment kind of goes away, so do your tenants. Um, so you, we're making sure there's a diverse, um, employment, uh, you know, population over the last five years is going up slowly. There's a nice trend upward, um, in, in population. We usually don't like looking at markets with population under 25,000. If there are, if they are under 25,000, they have to be at least 50 miles from a major, uh, secondary or tertiary market that has at least 25,000. Um, mm-hmm. again, where, where a lot of the tenants would be coming from unemployment below the national averages, I think now is like seven or between seven and eight. Um, it's actually probably lower than that. It's gone down tremendously. So it, it's long, as long as it's below the national average, we like, um, the unemployment rate. And, and then other than that, you know, the median home value is something that we also look at, uh, which, you know, which means if it's above a hundred thousand, that's usually a good sign. If it's less than a hundred thousand, a lot of your potential tenants might be able to afford to buy their own home. So, you know, that median home value under a hundred thousand is kind of a red flag, um, that, that might, you know, be pulling from your tenant pool. And then, um, I think that's it. I'm not, this is not like my specialty. It's kind of, yeah. we have other people help us with this due diligence. I'm trying to think, you know, what other data is, is pulled it. That's, you know, that, that's like the, you know, is there anything else that you could think of that, you know, that I may have missed? What else? No, do you I think that's use? good. I mean, um, I always look for, like you're saying, major employers in the area, then, you know, population growth, you know, crime, crime statistics, schools, you know, stuff, stuff you mentioned, you know, really, really is the area growing or dying is kind of what I look for. Is the area growing or dying? If it's growing, there's typically good employment opportunities. You know, obviously if you're in a, in a place that's so small that there's just not many people there, like you were talking about, there's a population under, you know, 25,000, there's not a lot of people there. So, you know, you, I always like finding places that have, you know, a large, it's a nice size, you know, it's growing there's employment, crime's not out of control, you know, and, um, unemployment's lower, you know, things like that. Exactly what you were, you were mentioning. So, I mean, if you meet all those, if you meet all those market indicators and you are actually providing clean, safe, affordable, somewhat modern housing, and you're marketing it properly, there is a demand out there for affordable housing in all cities across the entire United States, you know, whether there's, whether there's, um, you know, the, the city is dying or not, you know, but if you hit all those market indicators and you market it, um, properly, uh, you know, and you're actually truly providing clean, safe, affordable housing, your occupancy is going to go up or you're going to be happy with your occupancy. And there's something usually within that you need to change if, if you're not, if you're not successfully, um, you know, able to get your occupancy up or able to keep it up. Um, if you hit all those wickets and, and you're, and it's a, really a, a clean, safe, portable um, place to live. Sure. Absolutely. 
Um, okay, you talked about going directly to the mom and pop owners on these. Um, have you found any any certain strategy on that to be more successful than others? Yeah, I mean, that's what we're kind of our, right now, we're um, about to unveil a marketing campaign for the mobile home side, mobile home community side, uh, where, you know, we were able to get a bunch of lists of, of owners that pretty much own homes that meet all of our criteria that we discussed just a few minutes ago. And uh, so we have a marketing campaign and we have a letter that we're going to send them. We have their address, their phone numbers, all the public information. And so what the, the strategy that we're going to kind of use is we're going to send them a mailer. Um, and then within 72 hours, we're also going to give them a call, um, the same owners, you know, and, and we kind of just, then we're probably going to send them another mail within, uh, within two to three months after that. And call them again after that, um, and and kind of just we're not. It, it's not going. It's 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 a really cool marketing strategy because of the way that we're structuring the letter, um, and kind of what we're saying. But it's more or less like, you know, this property looks great. Um, we are, you know, a bunch of active duty guys. We love the mobile home park industry. We'd love to be the people that you think about or consider when you get ready to sell and we know a lot of them are ready to sell. They just haven't been approached by, to, you know, by a buyer yet. Um, so we're pretty excited about this marketing campaign. We have a list of about 4,000 uh, owners that we're going to directly market to. So um, cool. that's kind of, that's, that's, that's how we go direct to seller on those. And then that's actually um, also in our, in our market specifically tailored to the Southeast and Midwest where we're looking. Very cool. Well, we could um, we could keep diving into a lot of these deals, which I love, but unfortunately, we we um, there's some other things I want to talk about before we end our uh, our episode. So, tell me about your um, the business you've started. I know you briefly mentioned it before, but um, tell me a little bit more about that and about you know the books you've written and your podcast. Yeah, for sure. So, active duty passive income is this is this incredible platform. Um, you know, that I helped build and, and it's really the whole mission behind ADPI is to help military members, which they're active reservist, um, any spouses or, you know, or a vet of any kind, if you ever served, this applies to you. Um, we, our mission is to help them achieve financial freedom through real estate investing and other means of passive income. And, and so, you know, we, we have this, all this, this cool free content. Um, like you mentioned, our, our Amazon bestselling book is called military house hacking. And right now it's free. If you go to the website, it's active duty, You could just get that book for free. Um, cool. you know, we have a free VA loan mastery course, um, that was gotten kind of written that, that again, most, most vets and active personnel are not leveraging their VA benefits to help them catapult their wealth, which is, that is exactly what you could, should be using your VA loan for. Um, I love that. And then, you know, we have a course, we have a military real estate investing academy that really walks you through how to invest in real estate, um, and how to take down your first deal. And then, um, of course we have the podcast that is, you know, is getting so much exposure because we've had, we've been able to network and, and get uh, one of our last episodes. We, uh, had Robert Kiyosaki was interviewed, you know, before that was Garrett Sutton, uh, Tom Wheelwright was on our podcast. Um, and we're lining up Elena Cardone and Grant Cardone, 
sure maybe your listeners have heard of them, oh, yeah, they maybe sure. not. I don't know. No, um, I, it's hard not to have heard of Grant Cardone if you're investing in real estate. <laughs> that's that's exactly right, man. And that's what he promotes. It's not about who you know, it's about who knows you. <laughs> you know, and, and that's that's it's that's that's a whole branding and an episode that we could dive into. And you really need to be branding yourself on social media, right. who you are, what you do and what you're looking for. Go to meetups, go to your association. If you're serious about this game, just commit. You are a business. Um, you're not a business man. You are a business yeah. man, <laughs> right? <laughs> not a business so, man. I'm a business man. Exactly. So, what, what's the name you of your it. what's the name of your podcast? Uh, active duty passive income. Okay, cool. And you know, you could also look up military real estate investing. Okay. Um, those are a couple of different keywords where you could where you could search it. But, what was uh, uh, what was Robert Kiyosaki like to to interview? So the the reason he was amazing, man. I mean, the reason why it was kind of easy, he actually we didn't even ask. He he heard about what we're doing and he wanted to be on our show. Really? And and the reason why is because he is a Marine Corps fighter pilot. That's what I thought. Pilot, yeah, a helo pilot veteran, right? That's what I thought. So he was yeah, in I the thought Marines. he was military. Yeah, he was in the Marines in the Vietnam War. So um, he flew helicopters in, in the Marine Corps. So you know the fact that he heard we. We um, were teaching vets how to invest in real estate and, uh, you know, achieve financial freedom. And we talk about him and we promote his book and um, we have some cool ideas to partner with the Rich Dad Corporation. And, and the minute he heard about what we're doing, he, he kind of jumped at the jumped at the opportunity. And we were so honored to just have him on our show. And, you know, then we uh, got Tom Wheelwright shortly after that, which is perfect time for tax season. You know, that yeah. Tom Wheelwright is Robert Kiyosaki, CPA and tax advisor. Um, that's awesome. And then Garrett Sutton is, is Robert Kiyosaki's legal advisor. And we had him on the show too. And <laughs> we have a lot of cool people lined up and a lot of other great people that I'm, you know, I'm sorry I didn't mention, but, um, definitely check out the podcast. Yeah. So many gold nuggets, whether you're military or not, there's a lot of, a lot of great stuff going on. That's great, man. Um, very cool. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's move on to our random time for random questions. All right. Let's do it. All right. Tell me a couple books that you don't think the listeners have read that they need to? Oh man. So one, of, and I'm just going to go with like my top five most transformational books. Okay. Um, and whether they've heard of them or not, I'm, I'm sorry if you have. So, <laughs> um, go giver is one. That's a great one. The go get so you've heard about that. Well, I have, but I bet I bet most of our listeners haven't. That's a great one. Okay, yeah, that's a good one. Go, yeah, I mean, Go like, Giver is uh, amazing, man. We, we know that everybody's heard of Rich Dad Poor Dad, so I'm just striking that one off. Yeah. Uh, but go, yeah, yeah, of go course. Giver's so great. you know, and and I know we we talked about Rich Dad Poor Dad and and kind of um, the other the other people maybe that are on his team, like Tommy Wright and Garrison, but yeah. one who we didn't mention was Ken McElroy. That's his real estate advisor. Okay. And the book that he wrote, which was really ha- helped me get out of the small residential wholesaling, flipping into the large multifamily, wow, it's that easy, was Ken McElroy's book called The ABCs of Real Estate Investing. Yeah, I've got that one. That one's a good one too. Okay. Oh, totally, totally recommend that. I mean, that was a game changer for me. Um, and then, you know, again, many, maybe of you, many of you may have heard about this, especially now it's kind of went, you know, super commercial. 
Um, but a, a, a former Navy SEAL chief petty officer named David Goggins uh, wrote a book called Can't Hurt Me. I haven't heard of that one. That is, I'm surprised because we're actually trying to get him on the podcast and um, we're making an attempt, but he is, he like literally turned down like NBC primetime spots because he just gets overwhelmed. And, and so probably one of the most um, known and recognizable interviews he did was, was with Joe Rogan. Uh-huh. Yeah. And Joe Rogan interviewed him and, and it was, it, it was his whole life story about how he was like a fat kid that used to get beat on by his dad and made fun of. And, and now he turned out to be, you know, a, a Navy SEAL and just his whole story. And, you know, he ended up running an ultra marathon, a hundred miles without training, you know, and then he did like 150 mile runs. Like it, this dude is all about mindset, digging deep. And if you want success, you got to look into yourself and you got to make changes. Nothing else is going to change around you. That's awesome. Um, I gotta check that one out. So, I recommend the audible for that just as a side note, because the book is probably amazing, but I listen to the audible and in between each chapter is literally like an individual podcast episode that he like really dives into the particular situation that he talks about. Cool. Um, so that's, did you ask for three or? Yeah, no, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Three was three is great. Yeah. All right. So here's my second random question for you. All right. What are your, what are your goals with your real estate investing? Yeah. So, um, my goals for specifically for real estate investing this year is to get over a thousand units, uh, you know, under ownership and, uh, the way it's going is it, looking like, you know, we're on track and, um, you know, but outside of that, you know, while I'm doing that is, it's really my mission to help other people achieve financial freedom, um, in any ways they possibly can, including, including real estate. So it's really help other, you know, help as many people as possible achieve financial freedom um, through real estate, through just business, through changing things in their business or mindset. Because uh, I'm also a coach. I do one-on-one coaching for people who uh, really want to get to the next level. Uh, whether you want to get out of debt and learn your the basics of your financial foundation, how to lay your financial foundation so you can invest in real estate or get really to the next level. Or whether you're trying to raise millions of dollars to take on a large apartment community or mobile home community, I, I do one-on-one coaching because I get the most fulfillment out of that, and so do my so do my the people that I work with, my clients. Um, I get to really dive into their their particular situation. So uh, that's kind of where my real estate and related goals are. And of course, through the ADPI platform, there's there's hundreds of people that are really going through some life changing transformations right now, part as part of that community. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, it's it's so important to to give back, to help, and it not just it not be all about the money, right? I mean, you can't take that with you. So it's like you know, really helping people, and and you've really found a, an awesome niche with helping military because you are military. You're you've got a natural inroad there, and um, I know that there's tons of people you're you're really helping a lot with that. I think that's great, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's it's cool. And like that, that Go-Giver book, the first one I mentioned, you know, that really helped me change my mindset. It was really that simple. Just reading a quick, short little book um, that really just emphasizes the more you give, the more you will receive, you know, yeah. in, in return. And it's so true, man. I mean, you're 
the, the amount of money that you make and your income is directly correlated to how much you give to the world and how much value you add to other people's lives. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and so I'm focused, I've been focusing on that ever since. And it's like been dramatic. Like my income went up, my net worth went up, my happiness went up, my fulfillment went up, my time management went up because when I started giving to other people, I just was, and it's kind of selfish. I want to give so much because it's almost so selfish because it feels so good and then in, on top of that, you receive more, more income and you receive abundance, you know, because Absolutely. you're giving so much Yeah. and whether you believe in the law of attraction, laws of attraction or not, that all ties together too. That's, and that's, that's why I love Gary V, right? He's, he's all about that. It's like, it's like, he's out there helping as many people as he can and it's just coming back, you know, tenfold. So. I love that. Yeah, man. I love, I love that dude. I just, just listened to his crushing it the other day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, he's awesome. I love, I love how he goes to uh, like yard sales and stuff and still buys stuff and goes and sells it. <laughs> it's, it's great. No way. I did not know. Oh, he's yeah. Still doing oh, yeah. That. He'll, um, I follow awesome. him on Instagram and he'll put, uh, he'll put these videos up of him walk, like walk into a yard sale and he'll go in there and buy a bunch of stuff and put it on eBay, you know, just cause he gets a kick out of it. So Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's hilarious. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, that's, um, that's all I got. I, this has been awesome. I think this is going to really inspire a lot of people. I love, I love your vision and how you're going after it and, and the amount of units you've been able to scale to so far. It's going to be really great to see, you know, what you end up doing. And, um, it's, uh, it's been cool having you on the podcast. Thanks so much. Yeah. You know, I, this is, this has been amazing. I'm looking forward to keeping in touch. Um, Absolutely. you know, kind of, and, and please let me know if, 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 you, if there's anything that you need or anything that we can collaborate on. And, um, you know, I, I really want to give one last piece. If, if, if you sure. don't mind, you might no, go share for one last thing. Go for it. it. It really is about your mindset and nothing. You can't really attain any of these goals unless your mind is right. And you're, you're, you're focused on the right things, you know, and all it really takes is a commitment. And that in order to commit, maybe you have to read a little bit and educate yourself on why people commit, right? Establish your own why, make it really solid. So no matter the obstacles and the failures and all the negative people around you say, nothing's going to stop you from committing to your goals so you could achieve them, but you're going to have to make some sacrifices, you know, in the meantime, every single day see what you could do to build your mindset and do something so you could be a, a better version of yourself the next day. Wake up a better version of yourself the very next day. Read every day, write every day, strategically think every day and ask yourself strategic questions. That's one of the best things my coach has ever taught me and I've implemented it and it's been life changing. So, um, you know, you it starts with you. It starts. There's you can't be a victim mentality and make up these excuses. The minute you stop making excuses, the minute is when your your success will trickle down. I just trust me. I love it, man. I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, um, where where can people find you? I know you mentioned your website earlier, but would you like to um to give us any of that info here at the end? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm pretty active on Instagram at, at the Timothy Kelly. Pretty in, uh, pretty active on LinkedIn at the Timothy Kelly, and Facebook Tim Kelly. Reach out to me anytime. Um, and then you know, my website is thetimothykelly.com, where you kind of have everything that I got going on all in one place. 
um, you know, my, my Kelly housing group is actually my real estate, um, uh, group. And then, you know, I have active duty, passive income is in there and my coaching stuff. And I'm also in a band and I play a lot of music. So Sweet. all that, like all in one place is the Timothy Kelly. So if you just go to the, the Timothy Kelly, I mean, there's free books, you can get um, all kinds of cool resources and stuff. And that's how you can reach out to me too. Awesome, man. Timothy, thanks so much. It's been great. Yeah, man. It was, it was a very, very much a pleasure, man. I look forward to staying in touch. Absolutely. All right. Catch you next time. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'd love to connect with you. So please hit me up on Instagram at Daily Real Estate Investor or on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, or YouTube. If you want to know more about this episode, check out our show notes along with the blog at dailyrealestateinvestor.com. And don't forget to sign up for the mailing list while you're there. We'll keep you up to date on the book in the works as well as new episodes. And tune in next time for another episode of the Daily Real Estate Investor. And do me a massive favor please subscribe to the podcast, leave a review for me and share the show with your friends. Your support means the absolute world to me and know that I will do everything within my power to help you reach financial freedom through real estate investing. I love you each and believe you're capable of far more than you think possible. 